Hot mustard. What in the Sam Hill? Beaver biscuits. Hot sausage. Welcome to this week's episode of Whiskey and Mash. I am Chris Beaver Biscuits Pullman. And I am Gloria Shazam Ackerman. <laughs> this week we are starting Season 9. Season 9, Episode 1, Best of Enemies. And Season 9, Episode 2, Letters. I wrote Best of Friends. My head maybe couldn't see <laughs> enemies. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I'm incapable of seeing the word <laughs> enemies. Thank you know, very much. So weird. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> like, it's okay, okay. though. Oh, my brain doesn't always work with my hands, so. Yeah. Well, let's yeah. let's start with best of frenemies. Frenemies. <laughs> Use them both. Sure. There's pretty much two parts to this. Um, Hawkeye got a 24-hour pass for Soul, so he's off and smelling good and dressed nice mm -hmm. and he's ready for his party in Seoul and um, but before he leaves Klinger comes in with some letters and mm -hmm. he had a letter from his dad with a mm -hmm. picture of his dad and little cousin I believe yes and um, Potter got a letter from his wife saying that she won a challenge in bridge she let's see I wrote it down hot mustard Miller um, Mildred took first place in a bridge tournament. So Potter and after Hawkeye leaves, Potter and Winchester got talking about who was the better bridge player, and mm -hmm. they both think they're the best, of course. Mm -hmm. So they decided to challenge each other in bridge contest. Um, so one plot was all about the bridge game, and the other plot was Hawkeye's trip because he, of course, never makes it to Seoul. Something happens on his way, and uh, what happens on his way? He, his truck died, and because someone shot at him, and then took him back into the woods. He thought to be shot, so he had this feeling of death, you know, kind of hovering over him. But it was to fix. I'm guessing the gentleman's child. Oh, or um, I don't know. Maybe some family member. I don't know, if child, but. Someone that he's very close to. Which in combat. A young, young child. Yeah. it. He could have been um, like the kid's sergeant. It's possible. Could have yeah, been. It really doesn't say who he is because the guy, yeah. first of all, doesn't speak English. Yeah. So he's just speaking with his gun to Hawkeye. <laughs> mostly, get down there and fix him. Yeah. And Hawkeye pretty much gets the realization that if this child dies, he's going to die. Yeah, that's the implication. And the... I think it would have happened if things didn't happen the way they did. But um, we'll talk a little Possible. bit about that, of yeah. how that goes awry. And... and how did the bridge tournament go? Well, let's see. First, Potter got Margaret. Someone mentioned, I believe Klinger mentioned, that Margaret was a good bridge player so Winchester went off to get Margaret but Potter was already there so um, Potter got Margaret and Winchester got BJ 
and they were playing and the whole time Potter complained about Margaret and Winchester complained about BJ and actually Potter and Margaret won the first hand. I don't know if they call them hands or rubber somebody called them. Well, a, a rubber is normally like the rubber match would be if one team won one and one team won another, then the rubber match is the third. Okay. All right. I, I have no idea Which, anything about bridge, but... Well, no, but that's a card term. That is a card term. Okay. Yeah. I've never heard uh, of a rubber. Yeah. The rubber match is the bounce back. Whoever wins. So, well... BJ and Margaret didn't like the way they were being treated, so they te ended up teaming up against um, Winchester and Potter, and the winner um, got breakfast in bed. Yeah. Which is... Yeah, because to get BJ to play, Charles promised breakfast him... Breakfast in bed. Yeah. And Margaret was like, that's a great idea. I like, too, when Winchester was trying to get Margaret... Mm -hmm. To be on his team, and Potter was already in there. I gotta see where I wrote that because I know I did. Um, he offered her fifty dollars and silk stockings. And silk stockings. Mm -hmm. And he said, "A bird on the collar beats your fifty dollar." Potter said <laughs> Potter that. Potter yeah. said that about Winchester because mm -hmm. you know he wins because he's Colonel oh, Potter. Yeah. Well, and to so, be fair, Major, he did show up first. He did show up first. And yeah. she already agreed to play yeah. with him. Yeah. So, yeah. but I just mm -hmm. like when he said, my bird on the collar beats your $50. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that yeah. was just a mm -hmm. very pottery thing to say. It was. Yeah. Um, though out in the woods with Hawkeye, he clearly could probably have, well, could probably have saved this child if he would have gotten him to the hospital. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's hard to say. It, well, he but thought he could have, but... The, yeah. his, he had um, bleeding in the brain, he could tell because mm -hmm. of his eyes. Mm -hmm. um, his chest was full of um, shrapnel, and mm -hmm. so he went in to and save that, and he stopped breathing. Yeah, because all, you know, all Hawkeye had was his normal med bag. So, I mean, you know, what does that include? Some pressure bandages... Uh, maybe a few ampules of morphine. Yeah, because he was doing surgery on this kid and he was awake. Like, he was moaning and groaning. And yeah, well. I'm like... Ah. Yeah, he wouldn't have had anesthesia. I mean, the kid was probably out from blood loss or pain, but, you know, when he couldn't breathe, when Hawk had to do the tracheotomy, uh, he was probably just a, a normal reaction that the uh, body would have. That, yeah. But... The guy, the the gentleman that didn't speak English that let's, was making him... Let's call him Mako because... That, Mako, that's his name? That's the actor's name. So let's call okay. him Mako or so Lehan. Mako was sitting there with his gun pointed at Hawkeye and he mm -hmm. Hawkeye needed help. He took the gun and he whipped it to the side and he mm -hmm. grabbed Mako and had him go down and hold the young child. Mm -hmm. I need you to hold him down so I can cut open his throat. So the guy clearly saw that it wasn't the mm -hmm. gun that he was doing this for. He was mm -hmm. clearly helping because he was helping. Yeah. To be to be fair though, I mean, you know, Hawkeye was trying to convince him we need to get him to a hospital. I can save him there. And then the the Mako's character put the the gun the the barrel to Hawkeye's helmet, and he's like, "Okay, yep, 
I understand. Gotcha. Message received. Well, he knows also that if he would have brought him to the hospital, he may have been saved, but he would have also ended up going to a prisoner camp. Yeah, and this guy, so, yeah, the Mako wouldn't have gone, yeah. So D difficult situation, but. There would be no way that I would let a soldier that I loved go to a Chinese camp hospital. I don't know. I. Depends on the war. Depends on the war. <laughs> Depends on the situation. Could this I... situation, clearly he didn't feel right having this child brought anywhere. Yeah. Plus, how are they going to bring him? The truck was broken. The Jeep. The Jeep. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, he clearly got back somehow. I think yeah. it just, I think because of how he stopped, it probably flooded or stalled out or oh, something. Yeah. And he let it sit and it might have been able to clear out whatever was, you know, preventing ignition. But the really, really cool part about that is the boy did finally die. And, um... This is the cool part. Then Mako, is that... That's the Mako, actor's name. um, said, like, go. Just go away, go away. Yeah. And he started digging in the ground with his knife. Mm -hmm. Clearly mm -hmm. digging a, a grave. And Pierce came over with his helmet and started digging with him to help and, him. Yeah, didn't say anything. Yeah, there weren't any words to be said. They, they, they just started digging they, together. And they, you know, there was a moment they stopped, looked at each other, and then they just kept going. It was, um, it, it was something I thought, and I think Laura was the one who said it, it was very humanizing. Yes. Which is an important moment in war, because one thing about war, one way that, one thing you have to do is to is dehumanize the enemy. I mean, that's but why... But you do have to. How can you go kill someone? You can't. You can't. No, I mean, that's why in um, World War One, there was the Christmas truce, because the soldiers saw that the other side was human. They all had Christmas. It was a thing. They had a common bond, and then it was hard to get those soldiers to fight again. Um, you know, on both sides, in World War Two, certainly, um, you had propaganda that dehumanized i mean the, the the americans are not blameless in this in order to make soldiers want to fight the japanese uh, basically presented them as subhuman and you know same thing in uh in the korean conflict i'm sure you, you dehumanize the enemy but hawkeye i think is the perfect person for this because we know that he doesn't look at race when he's trying to determine who to treat he sees the wound the and he treats the wounds not not the, not the person not the ethnicity and so yeah he saw this soldier having lost someone who was important to him and that was all he needed you know despite the fact that this guy was a was threatening him threatening his life that he would have Put killed gun him to his head Hawkeye, the person, was still going to help this man in his grieving process. And I think that's supremely important. But You know, I honestly would hope I would do something like that, but I would see myself more running just to get out of that situation. Because what yeah. if he changes his mind? I honestly think I would have just ran and got out of the situation. Yeah, I thought about that too. It's like, he, he could change his mind, Hawk. Right. He could decide, no... I'm going to take you in now, and that'll at least be something. 
No, he just... He obviously let Hawkeye go. Right. And, um... I mean, do you have anything else on this episode, really? Not really. Okay, so... In the post-commercial scene, we see Potter and Winchester bringing breakfast to uh, BJ and Margaret. And as uh, Winchester delivers it to uh, BJ, Hawkeye's there. And, um, you know, they he wakes him up and then they see Pierce on his bed and Winchester said, when did he come in? BJ says, I don't know, I was asleep. But look at him. He must have had one heck of an R&R. So, they don't know yet. No. It's just... Just judging him on his looks. Mm-hmm. Interesting statement. But, uh, again, Mako as Li Han, the Chinese soldier. Uh, uncredited background appearances by Kelly Nakahara, Jennifer Davis, and Shari Saba. Written by Sheldon Bull. Director was Charles S. Dubin. Original air date was November 17th, 1980. Uh, What's the number of the... Production code was Z. Z. Okay. 404. Z404. For those non-American listeners. Uh, a few Potterisms out of this episode included some that I started the episode with. Hot Mustard. What in the Sam Hill and Beaver Biscuits. Uh, also, if you listen to this episode, you might notice that the arrangement of the show's theme oh. is a bit different. So, it, this is one of the times it's changed. Uh, it makes sense. It's... I don't know. It, it's season 9. We're in the 80s. This started in the... What? The, the late 60s? 70s, 70s, early 70s, yeah. so I mean, yeah, you, you could see it changing with the times, but, yeah. On to the next, oh, and this was the, that was the 199th overall series episode. Interesting. So does that make... This one too. Yeah. Uh, season 9, episode 2, Letters, was the 200th overall series episode. Interesting. Basic synopsis, um, it's a rainy stretch at MASH, they're not getting a lot of casualties. It's a, a boring period, which, um, if this is in 1952, you know, mid to late 1952, uh, the battle lines were fairly stable, so unless there was a, some sort of skirmish going on, they probably would have had a lot of time. Hawkeye had told a friend back home about that, how they had time, and so she's a fourth grade teacher and uh, sent him a bunch of letters from her fourth grade class, and so everybody takes a letter and writes back to these kids. And that's just, that's all it is, is cycling through the normal uh the normal actors and them answering letters and one in particular uh really gets hawkeye because it was from ronnie, ronnie hawkins he blames the doctors for his brother keith 
who got injured, went to a mash, got fixed up, went back to the line, and then got killed. Well, they fixed him up to die. And that's kind of... Hawkeye's narrative with that helps to weave through the other peoples, because we keep run coming back to Hawkeye having real issues with this kid's letter. And he said no trading letters. Or... Which I can agree with. And Father Mulcahy even comes back to that and says, Hawkeye, it was your rule, no trading. But, but Father, this is so hard. I know, Hawkeye. That's why you need to do it. But no matter if you answer the letter or not, you're still going to have to deal with this. And then he said what you said. So, um, it's interesting. But, uh... Okay. Um, and I, I just really like some of these letters that they're writing. Uh, Mulcahy, he talks about I haven't ever saved a life. He apparently forgot about the one soldier's life that he saved um, by operating on him in season five's Mulcahy War when he had to do an emergency tracheotomy, yeah. saved the guy's life. But then uh, Potter reminds him about Irving, a dog who was an alcoholic, and Mulcahy helped that. Uh, Charles steals one of BJ's letters because uh, the kid was talking about how lucky you are. You get to camp all the time and eat real army food. <laughs> My diminutive correspondent. Your opinion is only... What is it? Like, your misopinion is only exceeded by... Ah, your atrocious grandma. <laughs> um, I think he stole a couple of letters because he heard him reply to another one, mm -hmm. too. He records a bunch of them. Uh, there's one... The, the final one we see of Charles, he writes by hand, and it was... Who is it from? Do I have that? Oh, I don't have... Virginia? Virginia. Leaf? Yeah. She just, you know, she says it's fall here, and it's really pretty, and I don't know if you have trees there, so I'm sending you this birch leaf. And it's in wax paper, and it's nicely pressed. and Which is really cool, because I remember doing that. I don't think people do that anymore. Probably and not. I don't know what mm. you do with it once. Yeah. But I remember pressing leaves in wax paper when mm -hmm. I was a kid, and you'd iron them all out and save them. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't know why we did that. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, it's neat. I, I've kept ginkgo leaves from various ginkgo trees, just because oh. ginkgo trees are kind of personally meaningful. I don't know what a ginkgo looks like. Kind of like a fan. Okay, okay. But, um, yeah. Um, it's neat that Charles does that. Uh, Klinger yeah. is explaining to a pen pal about how they don't get a lot of money, and so he tries to find other ways to, um, make money. And one of those schemes was to breed chinchillas, except I don't know how... Charles would know this from just walking up. Because he didn't look under. No, he didn't look <laughs> under the hood. He just... But Klinger uh, has these two chinchillas, and just by looking at them from afar, Charles is like, those are two male chinchillas. But you can tell, like, looking at a bird, which ones are male and female, because the males are always brighter color, and maybe it's true with chinchillas. They looked the same to me. 
Yeah, but they and were I've, both males, so they would yeah, both be beautiful. But I've, I've had rodent pets. Oh, okay. I never have. Yeah. <laughs> Once you look underneath, you can tell. But, okay. You know. Um, yeah, so it didn't work for Klinger. Uh, Margaret's letter. Oh, that, that made me tear up. Her letter asked her, do you ever make friends with your patients? Oh, yeah. That's, in fact, he stopped it because he, he <sighs> just couldn't go on. Because Margaret uh, recalled one particular patient, Mike. And Mike was telling her about how he was going to be a farmer and his dad had put down, put a down payment on a, on a plot of land for him. And, uh, then she had to step away to talk to Hawkeye and BJ, and they said his liver's gone. Does he have long left? An hour, maybe three. I never thought that I would be grateful for a severed spinal cord. So he couldn't feel any pain from the wound he received, but he was going to die from it. One to three hours. I mean, he's speaking as if he knows nothing is wrong. Yeah. So... And yeah, it just, that's what it made me think like kind of a way to go that's it was you know, with dignity, yeah, dignified, Except merciful he was way. So young. Well, that's the tragic part because yeah. then Margaret goes back and he's explaining his girlfriend, yeah, how he's gonna be a farmer and how he's gonna do everything. And, and his girl, he's oh, gonna so marry his girl beautiful. as soon as he gets back, and she's so beautiful. And I just and it's a close-up of Margaret, and you can just—I I think Loretta Swift does a great job because you, because I think you can also see, and I might just be projecting, but you can see the conflict because mm -hmm. she's putting on a brave face for him because she's going to be there for him. Because really, do you tell someone or do you not? You know, you have one to three hours left to live, but you think you're fine. I wouldn't. Yeah, apparently, clearly she decided not to and just let him talk about his future, but also would be very hard to watch him sit and talk about his absolutely. future. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And that's, you know, you hear Margaret narrating to, to this correspondent, to this pen pal, and, you know, you can hear her get choked up. Yeah. Again, Loretta Swift does a great job, and she says, yes, there are some patients that we get very, very close, close to that I will miss very much yeah. uh, Hawkeye's still struggling with Ronnie's letter BJ writes about uh, Bill Bainbridge a lawyer who was on temporary duty to the 477th they requested a replacement for <laughs> Charles and Icor sent a lawyer instead of a doctor and he's like I keep business hours and they're like okay I know this isn't right. You can't be a doctor because doctors can't keep yeah. normal business hours. What are you? <laughs> I'm a lawyer, just know. like you. <laughs> no, uh, we're not lawyers. So they actually have him in surgery doing a little help, and Margaret's like, this is so unprofessional. <laughs> <laughs> what, Margaret? He's getting on the job training. <laughs> um, Potter answers a letter about diversions at the 477th where... Uh, it's like sometimes we get really bored here and he's he was just out throwing some uh playing hoops just oh. you know getting some baskets in and he was he was doing it granny style 
doing free throws, but he got up to 14, and apparently the camp record was 31. So Klinger made a big deal out of it, and everybody was there cheering, and he just, Potter keeps going to Klinger and saying, I kill you. <laughs> uh, he doesn't tie the camp record. Charles gets the leaf from the birch tree. And then the, the thing that helps Hawkeye is a child comes in, she slipped in the mud, hit her head hard, and had one pupil fixed and dilated. Uh, whoever brought her in said, I think that she has, uh, that she cracked her skull and that there's something in her and brain. And he was a doctor, but not a surgeon. Yeah. He um, would have known. Mm -hmm. I don't remember the exact phrasing if they used, I want to say subdural hematoma, but I don't know if that's right. Um, but they do an x-ray. It is what this doctor thought. Uh, Hawkeye and BJ have her on the operating table, and this guy, apparently, I think he was also like a pastor or something. Yeah. He prayed over her and said, thank you, Lord, for your providence and supplying Yeah, for supplying these skilled surgeons at this moment in time. It surely shows uh, your love for your children. And Hawkeye just looks at him. Like, I know what I'm going to say. Yeah, and then they cut to post-op with this girl in this head bandage recovering, and Hawkeye's writing his letter, and he says, Dear Ronnie, it's not good to take the love you have of your brother and turn it into hate. I'm sorry for what happened to Keith, and I'm sorry that I don't have any answers for you. That's how war begins. Mm -hmm. Um... It, it, it stinks. It sucks. But it was in... I think that's the only way Hawkeye could have responded to that letter. Um, Post-commercial scene, Claire comes in with a new bag, a new mail bag, like duffel bag size, full of letters. Okay. <laughs> there must be 500 letters here. Yeah, that's weird, because there's only 400 of us in Crabapple Cove. And then uh, Colonel Potter comes in with a basketball. 32! I did it! <laughs> That's really the whole episode. I mean, it was it was one that wasn't jam-packed. But touched you in a lot of little ways. And it moved. And it surprised me that these are fourth graders coming up with these letters. Yeah. Because I have fourth graders write yeah. letters in my classes, and... I don't know if any of them are this insightful. What are, are those more like the one that Mulcahy got? I'm only writing this because my teacher, teacher is me. making me. Yeah, I would rather I be playing dodgeball. Yours, <laughs> Jenny, or whatever her name was. Yeah, that's that's more like what that's you're, more like okay. the ones that we got. Okay, um, I'm gonna wrap this up fairly quickly here. For some reason, I'm running low on disk space. Hint, if you ever do a solid-state drive as your primary hard drive on your computer, get a big one. <sighs> Made that mistake. Um, so this episode, let's see here. Uh, guest stars recurring cast. We have Richard Paul as Captain Bill Brainbridge. Larry Cedar as The Soldier. Michael Curie as Dr. Brewer. Uh, Eileen Saki as Rosie. Because we saw Rosie yeah. when um, okay, he was curing... Uh, uh, what's his name? Irving. 
And then uncredited appearances by Kelly Nakahara, Sherry Saba, and Jennifer Davis. Production code was Z403. Writer was Dennis Koenig. Director, Charles S. Dubin. Original air date, November 24th, 1980. All right. Uh, as I normally do at this point in time, I'll remind you that if you are a new listener to this podcast, you can catch all of our back episodes by either going to iTunes or your favorite podcast application or Stitcher Radio and just search for Chris Reed's book. Also, you can do the same catch up on all our back episodes by heading over to our website narclaninc.com that's n-a-r-c-l-a-n-i-n-c.com go to the podcast link go to the whiskey and mash page and there you can find all of our back episodes as mp3 files you can either download those to your favorite mp3 player or your least favorite mp3 player if you're that way or just stream them I don't know they might put it on a zoom I don't know or down or stream them the the episodes from the website pardon me from the website uh also if you uh want to get in touch with us also on that page our links over to our facebook page facebook.com slash whiskey and mash and an email link you can click that and email us directly here at the podcast let us know what you think either way we would love to know that you are out there listening that we have an audience and speaking of our audience if you think that this podcast was worth your time that it's worth supporting you and you would like to help support us the best way for you to do that is to share it with a friend a family member a co-worker someone you know who you think would enjoy listening to us for anywhere from about 30 minutes to over an hour in the case of last week's episode since we did three episodes of mash um you know we, we are doing this as a passion project. We're not trying to make a living off of this or anything. We have our own jobs. We just like watching MASH. We like... Um, discussing. Discussing it. Seeing, sharing with our friends. Yeah. You Hopefully know, get some response from you. Yeah. And so, you know, that's all we're asking. Is for you to help us reach more people with this. After we finish the regular series of MASH, we're going to be doing After MASH. After that, we'll probably head on to either Mary Tyler Moore, uh, uh, Frasier, something like that. Uh, soon, though, as a reminder, we are going to take a little hiatus from regular episodes. We're going to have special episodes where we're going to be playing Mashed, the role-playing game, which is a powered by the Apocalypse system. And uh, that that's going to be us playing characters in the fictitious 8099th MASH outfit, which is part of the I-Corps, or First Corps, in Korea, during the Korean conflict. So tune in for that. It'll be anywhere from two to four episodes. It should be interesting to see. <laughs> Gloria's never played a role-playing game before. Never. Uh, I, uh, I'm game master for several that uh, Laura and I do. And your brother has played uh, uh, D&D for quite a while, so he's pretty familiar with role-playing games. So we, we come from a diverse background. It should be interesting be very to play. Interesting. But we will be recording those, and I'll be putting those up. And yeah, stick with us for that. Or, since you know ahead of time, you can always skip over those. We'll let you know at the beginning of those if that's what that week's episode is. 
Thank you for tuning in this week. I am Chris. And I am Gloria. And we'll see you next time. This is where the outro goes. Great stuff. I'm trying to think of something else Potter says. Uh, buffalo bagels. <laughs> Great big mutants. Basically take any food Horse. or excrement <laughs> and combine it with great good golly or the animal that it comes from and you've got it. Horse buffalo excrement. Yeah, buffalo chips. Horse buffalo chips. chips. Horse. Yeah. Great Caesar's it. ghost. <laughs> Take your pick. I do love Potter. Yeah, Potter is a printing green. T, T form <laughs> Sherman T, formerly Hoops Potter. Potter. He did sign one. <laughs> he today, did sign so. one. All right. See you next week. See you next week, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>